when it turned to September, which is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, I thought, what a good way to attach it to suicide prevention awareness and then raise money for AFSP, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Ended up selling like 860 shirts, uh, raised almost $9,000. And now I have more people hitting me up. Like, and it's just crazy, like the reach, like Ron Baker, who used to play for the Knicks, wanted one. Uh, Rachel Bonetta, who's at Fox Sports, um, who I like look up to. I literally tweeted back at her. I was like, you're my idol. Like, what are you? And I don't really say that to people because, again, act like you've been there or whatever, but I was like, you're my idol. Like, what? Um, so it really caught it really caught fire, which, again, it wouldn't have been what it was without the, the support of other people. Um, and I'm just glad that we could do something for a good cause. But again, I thought it was like a good reminder that people could not only carry with them, but show to other people, like, hey, keep showing up. Because especially right now, like, I feel like it, it might be what people need to hear. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Pursuit, a journey in a life of sports. I'm your host, Chris Mongelia, Director of Men's Basketball Operations at Princeton University. This podcast is all about exploring the intellectual approach to maximizing your ability. We talk with accomplished professionals in the sports industry and learn what it has allowed them to be able to succeed on their journey in the life of sports. The goal here is for listeners to collect as many high-performance habits and behaviors as possible and then be able to adopt and apply them into their own lives and careers. On this episode, Jenny Fisher, who works for the WNBA in their digital and social content, shared with us how the people in her life investing in her future has made all of the difference early in her career. She touched upon her love for storytelling and words and elaborates how there are multiple ways to tell and share a story in today's world. Her keep showing up way of life has landed her tremendous opportunities already and now she is spreading the phrase and motto throughout the Twitter and Instagram world, raising awareness for suicide prevention, displaying the power and positive sides of social media. Jenny is passionate, thoughtful, and as she mentions on this episode, Midwest Nights. This was an enjoyable conversation, and I am so excited to be able to share this with you all. Our guest today is Jenny Fisher, who works on the digital and social content for the WNBA. Already in her very young career, she had a media relations internship with the Milwaukee Brewers, media relations internship with Fox Sports. She was a Big East correspondent, and prior to her role with the WNBA, she worked with the NCAA for digital and social content for championships. The most interesting part of this episode is that I can count on one hand how many messages Jenny and I have ever had with each other. Not conversations, just messages. Uh, And that's what this podcast really is all about for me and why I'm so excited for this episode today. Uh, To be able to hear and learn about someone else's story who I have no prior connection with and seeing what has and continues to help them in their own journey in the life of sports. I would share more about Jenny right now, but quite honestly, I don't know much and uh, I'm looking forward to learning more on this episode. So Jenny, welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time for this conversation. Thank you so much. I think that was the perfect introduction. And like you said, I don't know much about you either, but this is the point of the podcast. And I think it's it's a great way to connect with people because we are in the same sphere at the end of the day in basketball. And so thank you. And I appreciate you having me on. No, for sure. I think uh, after an intro like that, I should probably share the backstory for everyone listening of, yes. of how you got here. So um everyone knows like on Twitter nowadays, if you're following someone and they click like to something, that what they click like to shows up in your timeline. 
so probably a little over a year ago, I guess a lot of people that I follow must follow you. And I kept seeing, you know, Jenny Fisher pop up on my timeline. And I was just like, who is this? I don't know who this is. Um, and then a little over a year ago, I guess you were doing work for NCAA and you were doing that college tour and you stopped at UNC, which is where former Princeton women's basketball coach, Courtney Banghart and former episode two guest on this podcast, Carrie Moore now work. Um, so when I saw that, I clicked on it. I'm like, okay, here's two, you know, I know Courtney, I know Carrie, this mysterious Jenny Fisher is interviewing them. Like, let me see what this is all about. So after that, I, I was like, okay, she seems legit. She must be big time. So I'll give her a follow. And uh, from there, I guess like you just been popping up on my timeline. And then most recently, which is the most ironic part is I just finished reading brands win championships. And um, I was doing a little research project for our staff here at Princeton and Googled, I forget what it was, but I Googled a particular topic from the book, trying to find like a chart that I could put into the presentation and boom, I find a link to a Jenny Fisher book report. And I was like, who is this? Like, she's everywhere. Like what's going on? So I admittedly just sent you a message on Twitter and was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know like what you're doing, but you, I respect your work ethic and your story. And I shared everything a little bit and just wanted to encourage you to keep going. And, and boom, here we are today doing a podcast together. So that's, the, that's the backstory and the craziness. Which that in itself is just funny because I'm sorry for popping up everywhere. <laughs> Apparently I, I am everywhere. Um, but it's just, again, such a small world um, because that's even like how I've met other people as well. Like the Twitter thing, like so-and-so likes this and it keeps popping up and I'm like, who is this? And oh, this person knows them. And I mean, getting to meet uh, Courtney Banghart when we went down to UNC, I was like, this is good people. And like, you just know that like, there's, there's always a connection in some way, shape or form. Uh, and so it's, it's just funny, but what a way to get connected. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so like you being on this episode is really, you know, modern day networking and social media and like Twitter and Instagram have almost become like a virtual resume these days. And so just talk about like your personal brand development as Jenny Fisher and like what that has done for your early young career. Yeah, well, it's an interesting question because a lot of people have asked me about this. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor, his name's Herb Lowe. I talk about him all the time because he was the person who looked at me and said, I would buy stock in Jenny Fisher. And I was like, what does that mean? And like, why do you, why do you believe in me this much? Um, but one of the things from his class, it was a journalism class. Uh, he talked about, you guys really need to start using Twitter. And I had always liked Twitter in high school. Um, I actually started our high school boys basketball Twitter account. I would tweet out the scores, I would, which is wild. Um, but that's when Twitter was just starting to, to really become a part of the social media landscape and what people really used. And so I'd always liked it. I was always tweeting about basketball. Like I still get like the 11 years ago today or seven years ago today, you tweeted about this and it's like about LeBron and whatever. But uh, I really took to Twitter also because like I'm a wordy at heart. I really love words and, and getting to share them and, and connect with people there. And at the heart of even that is I really love people. Like I love talking to people, connecting, obviously connecting with new people. Um, and I, it just felt like Twitter was a really cool thing for those reasons. And so one thing that that professor had said in his class was, I want you guys to tweet about three things a day. One is commenting on the news, something happening in the news. The other is replying to someone who's talking about something that you care about. And the third is like speaking to something that you're interested in, like basketball or reading, whatever. And I actually like took that tip to heart 
and I, and I started doing it more, but I think for me, like my whole brand and like who I am has always been basketball and storytelling. Like it's literally in who I am. A lot of people know this, maybe you don't, both my mom and dad played basketball at Marquette. And so I just grew up idolizing Marquette and Marquette basketball. Um, and then after going there, I worked with the men's and women's teams and did a lot of social media stuff for them. So it was always like the, the storytelling and the basketball were like hand in hand since I was a kid. Um, and so I think it was like my personal brand already existed. I figured out ways to amplify it on Twitter, through social media, connecting with people. Like you said, it's basically like a virtual resume at this point. Um, but I, I would just say like I, I knew kind of what my brand was. And so I just kind of brought it to life, I guess, more so on social media. And luckily it's, it's brought me to meet really cool people within the same space and with the same interests and teaching me things that I, I may not even know that, that also helped me. So. What's your, what's your philosophy on your personal brand? Like, what does it take for you to hit send on a certain tweet? Like, are you reviewing that saying like, this is fit with my, my personality? Is this fit with what I want to put out there? So (laughs) I think I've gotten a little more choosy, but not in like a good way. Uh, It's been so maybe like a month ago, I tweeted like, uh, grateful to announce I'm literally just chilling, eating a a chocolate chip pancake uh, at a candlelit dinner with myself. And it got like a, a couple hundred likes. And I was like, this is my personality. Like I'm willing to just like, I don't know, have fun and, and be outgoing and goofy with it. But at the same time, I need to balance it with the professional, which I think a lot of people struggle with is like, you want to be yourself and have fun on social media because that's kind of the place to showcase it. At the same time, you need to be professional. And especially for me, where it combines the media sphere, you want to have enough personality where you are interesting. But at the same time, you want to be professional enough where people respect you. And so I've tried to find the sweet spot there. Um, I don't know if the chocolate chip pancake one is a good or bad example, but I if it connects to basketball storytelling or who I am, I'm probably going to hit send on it. Did you get, did you get kickback from that tweet? Like, did you think that that was unprofessional or is that something that made you reflect on what am I sending out? I was just more so like, this is kind of stupid. Like no one's going to benefit from this tweet. Cause something else I also really care about is like, what am I doing for others? Um, and again, I really credit that to Marquette as a place that really made me think about that. But I don't, and that's another thing. I'll press send on anything that has Marquette basketball involved. Um, sometimes I'll retweet something that I saw it had Marquette basketball, and then I have to go back and actually read it. And I'm like, Jenny, you need to read these things before you retweet it. That's a big but, problem nowadays. <laughs> yes, especially with headlines um, and things like that. But yeah, I would, I would say that, I don't know, just figuring out the balance. I don't think I got kicked back, but it made me reflect like, did this do anything for the world? Like, did you need to put that out there? Um, but then again, the internet also needs content that people don't need to go on with their lives in order to be entertaining. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned that like storytelling is your passion and in ways like social media is everyone telling their own story. You know, I I have a social media account and it's largely Princeton basketball or my family. Like that's really what it is. So how has maybe your social media accounts benefited you in your young career? Oh, I mean, I think a big thing too, that this is making me think about, I used to be really attached to like where I worked and I wouldn't really include that in like my social media lens of storytelling. 
So like even at the NCAA, and obviously it makes sense, it's valid. Like I would be like, yep, we're going on this three week road trip. We're hitting up UNC, Stanford, all this stuff. And it's great. Um, but like, I also think nowadays you see like, it's like people attach, like it's overtime, whoever, and they attach themselves to, to the brand or the person or the program that they're working for, which is both good and bad. Um, but I think I started to like remove my personal branding from it. Like it can be two separate things, but it can also come together at times. Um, but that's kind of the, the main point where it makes me look at it. But I think my big thing too, has always been, and I tell people this, um, I talk about this in interviews, uh, for jobs and such that I view storytelling in a way that every story needs to be clear, concise, and creative. And you can tell a story across many different platforms. You can be interviewing someone, you can be, it can be a photo, it can be a video, it can be a podcast, it can be, we have so many different mediums and medias that we can spread it out across and what i really enjoy is figuring out the best way to tell what story in what way on what platform and so that's kind of where it's it's also made me find the sweet spot working in digital and social the past couple years because you're just forced to go across multiple different lanes at all times um but at the heart of it like i said storytelling is clear concise creative um and that's kind of how i i judge good storytelling and kind of what I aim for in the stories that I tell. It's, it's really interesting to me because I think I'm, I don't want to sound old here, but like I was maybe at the beginning of the social media boom, like Facebook had just come out when I was a freshman in college. Like that's crazy to think about now life without Facebook. Um, but personally myself, like we have an external relations team here at Princeton and they're like pushing us to make sure that we're, when you hit retweet on something that you're not just hitting retweet, that you're giving like a quote retweet and putting like your personal spin on it. So people, you know, aren't just following you, they're following who you are and what you represent and what you think about what you're retweeting. But like, I've gone through this recently where I'm struggling like to reshare things that maybe include me in it. If that makes sense. Like if I go do a podcast now and someone tweets about me being on the podcast as their guest, I'm just like, okay, the right thing to do is probably retweet it and like thank them for it and say how much fun I had but part of me also feels really self-centered and like putting information out to the world on my page about myself. Like that feels really like selfish to me. What would you say? Not that you're like my therapist here or anything, but like, what would you say in terms of how important is it to promote yourself a little bit on social media these days? I feel like I have the same struggles where I feel selfish too, especially when they put like a big photo of me in their, in their main graphic or whatever. Um, and I think there is a balance, like you don't have to repost every single little thing. Like I really try to do like the things that really spoke to me or the things that I think people would really enjoy. Not that every podcast or every whatever isn't, but cause there's always something to learn, but things that really align well with like who I am and, and you know, what I, what I would want to put out there and the people that I want to support, I think who are behind it is it matters even more. I kind of went through this dilemma too with, so I've been doing this keep showing up fundraiser and people are posting pictures of themselves wearing the shirts, which I love. Um, but in a lot of like the the copy of the tweets and the Instagrams, whatever, they say like, Jenny, like, thank you so much. Like you're really nice words. But I'm trying to retweet every one of them because like, I, I think the message of the shirt and the money it donated to AFSP is what I'm trying to make at the forefront. But then part of me was like, this is also putting at the forefront, like people calling you a rock star and things like that. And it's like, 
I'm not doing it for that purpose. So I think intent really goes behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you can be choosy with your own brand, but for me, it's, yeah, just kind of like taking the mental note of like, it's, it's not about me at the end of the day. And hopefully people know that my intent was not, Hey, here's Jenny Fisher popping up everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) In a good way though, in a good way. Yeah. So just kind of circling back to the beginning, Brewers, Fox Sports, Big East, NCAA, like any little teenage kid, boy or girl trying to get into sports, like those would be pretty good ones to start off with trying to get to and get some experience. So like, what, can you just give a little overview of your path? Like, how do you get them? What was that like? And and kind of, you know, take us to where you are right now. I think this begins with good people who took a chance on a person who was driven, ambitious and knew what they wanted. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I lost my mom and I remember like sitting down and having conversations with like my high school coaches and other people about what, what do you want to, you know, really do in high school and like whatever, and just having those kind of conversations. And I remember telling my high school lacrosse coach that I really wanted to get into like maybe broadcast journalism. And he was like, Jenny, you know, I know. Uh, the guy that does the Brewers play-by-play, his name's Brian Anderson, Um, maybe he would be willing to talk to you. And I was like, that, and I'm 13 years old. Like, you're not even in the realm of getting a college degree or whatever. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. And so I met Brian Anderson and he brought Sophia Minnert, who was a Marquette alum. She did sideline reporting for the Brewers and the Bucks. She still does. And um, we sat down and had coffee in my small little hometown of Heartland, Wisconsin, because that's where Brian Anderson was living. And as well, which is wild. Um, and so as soon as I met him, like he was in my corner, he was, he was like, I just respect who you are and what you're about and it's evident and I want to help you. And, um, once I decided that I was going to Marquette, um, which was always kind of a dream, but had always also looked at schools out East because my, my dad's from New Jersey originally. And so had a lot of family out there and, I had dabbled with maybe playing college basketball, but wasn't good enough beyond the D3 or D2 level. And so I was like, now that I know what I want to do education-wise, I want to go to a good school for it. I want to be able to dive into that. And so my freshman year at Marquette, Brian Anderson connected me with people there. I worked in the athletic department all four years. Um, I stepped into the Al McGuire Center before I ever stepped into a classroom at Marquette. And I, I just kept telling them how much I loved basketball. So they let me work with basketball. I traveled with the women's team my senior year, always went to the Big East men's basketball tournament with them. Um, and again, I think the phrase keep showing up comes again. Like they knew me as the girl that would just keep showing up. Like I would do my homework sitting on the couch in the Al McGuire Center, again, the athletic um, facility, and just like let coaches and players pass me by. And I'd be like, hey, what's up? How's your day going? And And just it was another form of networking without it being schmoozy. Like I was just there. Um, and so why not talk to these people? Mm-hmm. And um, basically the Marquette thing led to, you know, other people helping me. And it was like, I can draw the lines to everyone. Like um, working in Marquette athletics, I was like, I'm interested in the broadcast stuff. I know that people that do it for the big East and their digital network to my boss. Do you know anyone? She gave a good recommendation. They hired me on. Um, and now I've worked three Big East tournaments. Last year, I was hired on to run all the social for Big East basketball and the Big East conference for the tournament. Sadly, it only lasted like a game and a half or two and a half games. And yeah. so that was sad, of course. I mean, March is a whole different story because it was supposed to be at women's and men's final four. And it just would have been like a dream come true. Like, I have to laugh at the fact that I worked at the NCAA 
the one year they didn't have um, an NCAA tournament. <laughs> like, I have to laugh. That's you're such o- a you're open up a wound that has not healed yet, Jenny. Though. Yes. <laughs> it hasn't even been a year. Like, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. But like I said, I can just, I can draw the lines. Uh, Big East was on Fox Sports. That's who they had their TV deal with. So they connected me with people there, interned at the office in New York. Obviously, now I'm living in New York. Um, it's just, again, good people who took a chance on someone who knew what they wanted. And that's what I really feel grateful for. No, that's really cool. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was like the whole keep showing up thing is, is something that I can really relate to in my path to where I am right now. Because I felt like exactly what you said is aligned with what I did. Like people would take a, an interest in me and they would try to help me out. And then if they would offer me something like I would just, okay, here I am. Like I'm, I'm showing up to what you're, what you're offering and all that stuff. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, what do you think, like what personality trait or quality do you think helped you? And like, why did people continue to keep investing in you? Is, do you think there's anything about you that was like, okay, she's this, so we'll keep helping her. I feel like a lot of people tell me I lead with grace I mean, I can be like kind of sassy. I can be, you know, hard nosed, but I I really think I'm hardworking. I'm very genuine, like who I am is who you're going to get. But I think the one I take the most pride in that people have told me is like, I lead with grace. Like there's like a poise about it. Even if it's, even if I want something really badly, I'm still going to lead with grace and have poise with it and respect. And I, I don't know, carry like the humbleness with me as well. Um, and that was something Brian Anderson, taking it back to him, like he's one of the most humble, like for him to meet up with a 13 year old girl for coffee that he has no clue who she is. She's like, not even in high school. I mean, I look back at that and I'm like, why would he ever like, Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's someone telling him this is a, a good person or whatever have you. And so I think I take pride in, in the grace filled part, um, and the leading with grace, because I don't think a lot of people do that. And I think it's an overlooked leadership quality that people really connect to. Mm-hmm. No, that's really cool. You think overachieving is a little bit of something that you do too, considering that I asked you prior to the podcast, you know, small example, I ask all the guests to send me two or three photos for the graphics and you sent me eight. I knew you were going to throw me under the bus somehow. <laughs> I mean, yes. I also like, this is where like my personality and who I, where I'm from really collide. I'm Midwest nice. So like if people ask me for something, I want to be able to like give it to them tenfold. So sending eight photos and so I'm like, oh, he should have options in case he wants to like do something. I don't know. Um, but then I'm also like brutally honest and I like try and like tell things how they are. So it's like when you combine that with being from the Midwest, I'm like, I don't even know what my personality is, but it's always at a crossroads. So yes, overachiever. Um, I, I can't even argue it. That's <laughs> period. End. Yeah. You had to know that I was getting thrown in. I know you know nothing about me, but I wasn't letting that one slip by. <laughs> well, now I know that you have some humor. So that's always, that's always a good thing. Yeah. So the women in sports thing is something um, episode four, I had Lisa Van Akron, who's a softball coach here who, Um, Her and I have a really good relationship and we talk about women in sports often um, and just how important that kind of community is and women supporting women, whether that's, you know, outside of sports, but particularly I see it a lot in sports because a lot of the the people I follow are coaches who work here and coaches that have gone on to other places. Um, Do you know if there was like an ignition point for you? Was there someone that was in sports that was a woman that you saw that was like, 
well, she's doing it. Maybe I can do that. So this makes me think of three different things off the bat. Number one, I remember seeing Aaron Andrews doing sideline for a game at Lambeau Field on TV. And that was the first time it struck me that like I noticed a woman, a woman doing something in sports that was very forward facing that I was like, that would be a cool job in basketball. So then it led me to looking up Doris Burke and like the way that she does everything again is just class act. Um, and so those are good role models to follow from afar. But I mentioned Sophia Minert, um, who was with the Bucks and the Brewers, and she was a Marquette alum and everything. And um, she was the first woman, and I don't even think she knows this. She was the first woman I felt like I knew was in my corner that worked in sports media. Like she always supported me. She talked me through different internships. I was like, if I take this one, I don't get the on-camera experience. But if I take this one, I don't get this. And just she really walked me through those conversations. And then the third part this makes me think of is um, one of my best friends in sports media in this basketball realm is Kara Kay. She works for Michigan State men's basketball, runs all of their stuff. And like, that's a job down the line. I would love to work. I, I do miss college basketball. Like I, I absolutely love it. I think there's an energy about it and just everything that it entails. I, I love. Um, and so that's like a job that I would love. And, but we just, we literally talk almost every single day. Um, and again, I feel like without her even saying it, I know she's in my corner. And so like acting in a way where you just support other women and you're able to, to recognize how great one another are and how you can help one another without making it like a thing, I think is also really beautiful. And uh, the last, I think I said three things, but this is four. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I can count too. I was watching the ESPNW Women's Summit uh, yesterday and someone made a really good point saying that when a woman in sports or when a man in sports is successful, bold, takes risks, whatever, they are more well-liked. But when a woman in sports becomes successful, uh, starts telling the truth and is bold, they're less liked. Um, and it's kind of a general theme where it's just like, it's this different dichotomy that you have going on. And I feel like in some ways I see that across the industry, not personally, but I feel like that's something a lot of women can relate to. And so again, it goes back to just like the innate support of someone trying to do something, I feel like is something I, I can respect and that I want to try to uplift as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to meet like Aaron Andrews or Doris Burke yet in your career? Not yet. Um, hopefully soon. I feel like I've been in like similar spaces or rooms or games as them, but I have not actually met them. Yeah. It's like when I started getting into college coaching, like obviously you all have role models and coaches that you want to be like when you're in this business. And I remember my first year here at Princeton, I went to an event at New York city, which I had like no business being at. It was super high profile and expensive and all the stuff. And I was just like, I'm just a kid from North Jersey here, you know, shaking hands with all these guys and I met Roy Williams, who was like, I grew up a big Tar Heel fan. And I mean, I said, hey, Coach Williams shook his hand and then we walked past each other. But I remember being like, oh, my God, like this guy has no idea how much he influenced my life and what a treat it was to feel like in that sense. I know this is going to sound crazy, but like we were an equal, you know, like we were at the same event and we're in the same business. Um, I hope you get that moment because it was like surreal yeah. for me. Well, and I feel like I've had many moments like that, even just working in this space. Like when I was a little kid, I idolized Candace Parker. I thought she was incredible. And obviously she's still playing in the WNBA. And when I was at the NCAA, I had this idea of, 
you know, we're interviewing all these student athletes over Skype. Uh, and I had one plan with a Tennessee player. I was like, what if we got Candace Parker to like surprise her and jump in? And so we figured it out logistically and everything. And Candace Parker and I were like on Skype alone beforehand. And I was like, do I tell her? And I was like, no, I don't tell her. Cause we're like on the same level right now. That's why yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't need to say I was such a big fan of you. Like we're just doing our job right now. And it was like one of those moments where you, you act like you've been there, but internally I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Mom's got Candace Parker. I totally understand. Do you, have you thought about yet how maybe you're doing that for a young teenage girl like yourself yet? Have you been there? Um, I try. So this is a, also a good question. I try to be that person for others, especially like I, I feel like pulled to like get back to Marquette um, a lot of the time. And so I, I just think that they have a really under the radar sports journalism, sports media kind of program. But um, I feel like whenever people reach out to me on Twitter and things like that, like I'm very quick to, to give back and, and try and make time and do things like that. There's not exactly one that stands out. Um, but yeah, I think that's important. I mean, someone lent their hand down to, to help me up and get me through some of this stuff. And so to be able to do that for others is something I'm always going to try to take the opportunity to do. It's definitely a unique experience to, to like flip the script and be on the other side of it. Um, once you get into this career and you start to be a little successful and have some, you know, notoriety, um, we have, or I have, um, a young up and coming coach who's now at Seton Hall as a manager, who's from the same hometown as me. And I forget how we got connected. I think through a friend of mine, they're both his, both their parents are, um, cops in town. And I think they reached out and said, Hey, would you mind reaching out to Mr. Tambora? Because, his son Vincent is trying to be a coach and like looks up to you. And I was just like, what? Like, that's, that's really strange for me to think about. But the relationship that Vinny and I have now is really cool. He can text the college coach whenever he wants and I can give him advice. And it's really fulfilling to be able to continue to cultivate that relationship. Um, And he listens to every podcast, the the dad, and he like lets me know how they go. So once he hears this one, he's going to be like, Oh my God, I made the podcast. That's awesome. Shout out to him. Shout out, Mr. Tambora. Um, let's pivot a little bit real here, uh, real quick. The segment I call Quick Hitters, um, just some resources that we can get uh, from the guests like yourself. Hopefully you like to read. Um, what are three books that you would most likely recommend someone else to read? So I've, I've thought about these. I think I would say What Made Maddie Run by Kate Fagan. I've met Kate. Uh, she came to the NCAA last year. Uh, we've kept in touch over social media. I just think it's a really important book for mental health and for people who don't know Madison Holleran or her story of her life and death. Um, I just think it's a really important personal one for people to read. Steal Like an Artist. It's one that I read in college in a journalism class. Uh, again, another really great professor, Patrick Johnson, um, had our, cl- our class read it. It's really small, but it made me think of creative storytelling in a different way. It's a really easy read, but I think anyone could benefit from it. And then I also really like poetry and I don't think a lot of people know this, um, but I would recommend like the essential Bukowski for like Charles Bukowski or like the bell jar, Sylvia Plath. Like I like like the classic, like kind of poetry books and I'm reading a book right now on the history of poetry and like how it all came to be. So I would, I would say those are my three very different, not basketball related, but I think that's kind of like how reading and hobbies like that have to be for me. Those are the most appreciated ones. The ones that are like, not okay. Yeah. Basketball coach is going to read this one or, you know, any coach is going to read this one. 
The poetry one's interesting though. First person to give a poetry recommendation on the podcast. I mean, I feel like it's a, a way of storytelling that's like, it's like music just without the music. I mean, it's, it's language. It's, I don't know. I think it's, it's really cool. But one basketball book I would recommend is The City Game by Pete Axthelm. Uh, it's a really good book. Even like the first page will suck you in. It talks about like basketball being a city game built on concrete and New York and talks about Al McGuire, the famous coach from Marquette and Queens. And it's just a probably one of my favorite basketball related reads. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Second one on quick hitters is the most interesting follow on Twitter or Instagram. This is a good one because I've become less of a scroller but I would say like, I appreciate people who like also like combine basketball and, and storytelling and culture. I'll throw it over to Tate Frazier. He, he does the podcast Titus and Tate does his figures network stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Um, I just enjoy all the content he does. And he, it looks like he's a wordy too, because like on Instagram, he'll repost different quotes and, and stuff like that, that I enjoy. So I'll toss it to him. That's a good one. Most meaningful speech that you've ever heard and why? So it's a speech slash poem, here, here I go again, uh, by Marina Keegan. Uh, she was a student at Yale uh, who had passed away. And it, there's this book called The Opposite of Loneliness. That's about it. But um, in this speech, she basically talks about how, like, you know, everyone in college is so, like, one-track minded. Like, uh, we're just going to be studying for our degrees for any 9 a.m. to never is, like, one of the lines that she says. And, like, we're, we all like really strive for this one thing. But then she was like, the end of it, basically in the whole gist of it is like, you know what, everything is so beautiful and so short. So like maybe we shouldn't be running to the 9 a.m. to never or like that job or just that one thing. Like it should be like a more well-rounded experience for how we, how we look at life. So that's one that I really enjoy. Nice. Very different. Those are different <laughs> quick hitters. I like that. That was good. That was good. Good. All right. Getting back into conversation, I'd love to hear a little bit about the college tour experience that you, that we touched upon um, that you did last year. I mean, you know, what was the task and, and what was that like for you? Well, I'll say that the initial task uh, was to figure out what to do in place of ESPN College Basketball Media Day because their, their media day got canceled. And that's normally where we gathered a lot of content to the, use throughout the college basketball season. And so we had to figure out how we were going to pivot and obviously pre-COVID times, because this was last fall, we were like, let's travel to them. We're like, let's see their facilities. Let's let them tell the story that they want to tell. We'll interview like five student athletes at each. We'll interview head coaches. We'll, we'll do the whole thing. And so it was like 16 schools in three weeks. We were on the road. We flew from like, so we would do like the Syracuse all the way down to like Tennessee and then um, flew over to Oregon, did Oregon State, Oregon, Stanford, UCLA down in California, which we drove to, and then flew to Texas and and wrapped up there. But I think for me, like, it was just nonstop getting, it was like, I, I tell people I peaked because like, like what a life to, for three weeks straight, just go check out different college basketball programs, talk to the people involved, see all the facilities, see new cities. Um, like, and I feel like I kind of got that when I was at Marquette, like we would travel for games and everything, obviously, but it's like, you actually are there to just like talk to people and get content. So it was, it was a once in a lifetime experience. If I could do it all over again, I would. Um, and yeah, I think the best part was just like the people I met in uh, the connections that I was able to make with those people that were so high on the totem pole in college basketball that like, 
I don't know, you just get further invested the more you learn about other programs and other people. And again, that kind of spurred more of my love even for college basketball. Yeah. You're not kidding that that was a big time gig. Like you did, you might've peaked. You might've probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what maybe validated why I decided to finally follow you. I was like, wait, okay, this Jenny Fisher I've been seeing all these months is now like interviewing all these big time people. I was like, she's got to be big time. She can get a follow. Oh gosh. Well, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you thinking that, but for me, it was literally, and this was the other funny part of it. That job was not supposed to be an on-camera job. Like I was there to run digital and social for NCAA soccer and NCAA women's basketball and making graphics, editing videos, whatever. And then literally two weeks before we were supposed to leave, my boss and my coworker are like, so we're planning this trip and we need you to be the face of it. And I was like, okay, like thinking we're doing like a one-off. We're going to University of Indiana and out in Bloomington, we'll drive and then like, we'll do something and then we'll come back. They were like, so we're gonna leave two weeks from today and we'll be gone for three weeks and then we'll, and this is like right before college basketball, it was in October season tipped off like October 4th um, or 5th, somewhere around there. And I had already been, had plans to go out to the Champions Classic in New York and all that. So I was like, okay, sounds good. And that's what it ended up being. And yeah, it, like I said, it just makes me think that I'm grateful again and that I would do it all over again, like 10 times over. Like if I could hit every college basketball program in the country, I've been to Princeton um, because my aunt uh, is from there. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know but that. I, I've never like seen the basketball facilities or anything like that. I still have like my bucket list items, but like going to North Carolina was like one that I was just wowed by. My brother used to have um, AU tournaments down at like Duke. And so we would go down there. Like I want to go through the list. I have t-shirts from all these places. Like Courtney Banghart gave us a t-shirt that mm -hmm. had UNC and Jordan, whatever. And I was like, need to start like making a list or like a map of the 350 well, I guess if you double it up for men's and women's, like 700 college basketball programs across the country. That's, that's just one. That's a lot of t-shirts that you'll have. That's that would case. be a lot. Had you had prior on-camera work before they threw you into that? So with the Big East, I did sideline reporting for women's basketball and men's and women's soccer. Um, and then I did on-camera stuff at the Big East tournament. Like they had me do interviews with Marcus Howard, things like okay. that. Yeah. So I, I had... And then at some internships too, but it was not like I had like an extensive role where my sole job at some other place was only to be on camera. Mm -hmm. I've always done a multitude of, of different things. So, but again, like I, I was a 22 year old girl that they just trusted me to do it. It's so like, that's so interesting because opportunity is like one of the things I love to talk about the most and whatever small opportunity you might've had prior to that totally prepared you to go on that journey and like because norm if you had no experience doing that and they're like you're the face of it you would have been like oh my god and you might have yeah. been like oh my god but to be able to have that experience is that's really cool what did you like what did what else did you learn from that experience going through that whole tour is there anything that you left that and and reflected on and was like that is what I took away from this the most I think a couple things uh and especially now the first is like you can't be getting to know people in person and especially during COVID like we do all this all that's great and you still get to know people but like being able to like be around programs and see how they function and like how they how they run a practice things like that like really teaches you about who they are and what their culture actually is and what they're about um the second is that I enjoy talking to people and that 
if I get the opportunity in, in any of my roles in digital and social to like interview people and actually sit down and talk to them, I would do it on camera in a heartbeat. I'm not someone who's dying to be on a camera. A lot of people know this about me who know me closely. Like, I don't need to be on a camera to be happy. If I can storytell in different ways, that's how I'm happy. But if it can include as like a little adjacent, getting to talk to people on camera and have conversations and do interviews, absolutely, I, I love it. Um, so I learned that about myself that I don't wanna fully sacrifice that. And then I would say the third thing um, is just that college basketball is a really special sphere of like, not only like, I don't know, the college athletics space, but like, society and like just how people I don't like think about how big March Madness is and just like I don't know I I think it's it's kind of underappreciated and obviously this season is going to look um way different just with how everything's going but it's a really special thing that deserves all the hype that it gets what makes a good storyteller I always say I try to do justice by the person I'm telling the story about. So like one of the stories we did was Tiana Mangakahia. She plays at Syracuse. Um, she was diagnosed with breast, with breast cancer, excuse me. And I, when I sat down and interviewed her, I went through the whole thing with my pre-scripted questions and everything. But then when it came to the editing process, I was like, the story isn't her having breast cancer. The story is she's on a break from basketball because all of her answers are like, basically the gist of it was like, even if she had a sprained ankle, she would be this devastated about not being able to play basketball because that's how much she loves it. So the not having basketball part was tantamount to the having breast cancer part, even though that's again, sad and, and really awful, but she did overcome it and she's coming back to it. But my biggest thing was I want to do justice by her in telling this story. How would she want it told? How would, you know, what would put her in the best light? Um, the first shot of the video was her smiling um, because that was the way I met her. That's like the handshake shot of like how I first met her. That was the same smile that she had. So of course I'm going to start the video that way. Mm -hmm. um, little things like that. I think storytelling is in the details. Obviously you need a beginning, middle and end, but getting creative with it in the details, especially is what I think makes a really good storyteller. Is storytelling nowadays is all video? Is it, are you still doing that like through words and and like articles or is it just everything is now we need to see a video or we need to do like a quick 60 second storytelling i think it depends on the story which is a cop-out answer but like i really get interested in certain written articles um especially like when you're piecing together from multiple sources right like you can't get everyone on video and do interviews with everyone all the time especially now but i just think like like i still read like especially like college basketball articles or like different things. There's an art to each one. Yes. But I think everyone is trying to shift towards video now because we have to be able to see everything because we can. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there's, there's beauty in a lot of other things like podcasting for one, like this is what, this is the stuff I listen to when I go on my walks. Like I try to walk 10,000 steps a day and it's like, I'm not going to watch a video the whole time and I don't want to be scrolling through Twitter. So I'm just going to throw on a podcast. Mm -hmm. What are you doing with the WNBA in terms of digital content and storytelling? Like what's, give me an example of something you're working on. Yeah. So right now it is obviously off season. I actually got added on halfway through the regular season, um, which was absolutely nuts. Uh, but basically it's, it's been kind of a whirlwind and now it's finally settling down. We're starting to figure out what we want to do. And it's funny that you say articles because I just told 
my boss that, you know, I wrote a ton in high school and in college and um, I didn't get to as much at the NCAA, but that's something I'm willing to do. I journal every day. I write all the time. Um, and so we're planning ahead for some of the stuff like that, but we're also planning for, you know, one-on-one interviews with players and myself and with my coworker as well. And just kind of figuring out, you know, it feels like we're back to square one of how do we get native content that we put out ourselves when everyone's spread out, a lot of players are overseas, but day in and day out, it's making content to fill our feeds, posting them to the feeds, uh, for the site, for the app. So it, it truly is all over the place, but again, storytelling in a lot of different forms across a lot of different platforms. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a story, maybe one on Bella Allery, Princeton alum, you know, Blake Dietrich, WNBA players in the, in the, you know, from the Princeton network, that would be a good one. I'm just saying. I did, I did interview Bella when I was at the NCAA before she got drafted. Um, and I had her dad, this is again, the beauty of Twitter. I reached out to her dad on Twitter because I saw he was like somewhat active. I said, do you have any questions for Bella for our interview? And he was like, ask her about our drives home from AAU games where she lost. And I yep, was like, yep. oh no. I've, um, heard, I've heard about those. <laughs> yes. So no, she's awesome. And that's also the fun part about, I feel like I've entered with this rookie class since I went from the NCAA to the WNBA. So like, it's cool to see like the overlap, with, like Sabrina, Kennedy Carter, Crystal, Crystal Dangerfield, like all these, all these players that have really like blossomed into great pros. Mm-hmm. All right. Fill in the blank here for me. I am where I am today because of blank. Grace. Grace. Why? You want me to elaborate? Okay. Yeah, of course. It's a podcast, Jenny. Come on. I would say grace in the way that I lead, like I mentioned earlier, but also grace in the way where like, I, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. And I think that like, I wouldn't be the person I am without the, like the grace of God in my life and that faith and like the strength of him inside me, basically in like the way of my life really could have gone one way uh, from some of the tragedies and whatever in my life or things that have affected me. But instead it's gone in this other direction. That's been this incredible journey. And I look back and I'm like, that's, I chalk it up to grace. Basically. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. I don't know if anyone else answers grace. That's a good one. It's my favorite word. That's my niece's name. So that's a good, it's a good name. It's a good name. Yeah. Um, what's your goal? Like, you know, Jenny Fisher really early in your career. I know this is an impossible question to answer, but you know, where would you like to be in 10 years? If I could like call it now and like pick my place, I would be doing uh storytelling so whether that's like I would love to be doing more of the interview stuff right like actually get to know players and and coaches in that way and and doing that stuff in the college basketball space so if that's like for a a network or whatever for a conference or something um the big east I've always been partial to just because I love the people there and they've always been extremely kind to me and I feel like they're a league that's really interested in like being a basketball league and doing and investing in basketball storytelling Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, yeah, again, I don't think it's too different from where I'm at now, which you can take as either good or bad, but, um, I think that would just more well align with, with who I am and what I'm looking for. Does the work that like Tom Rinaldi do for ESPN, is that what you mean by like storytelling and like sharing information like that? Well, yes, but I also feel like, like there's like a space for digital reporting and storytelling as well I feel like Mm -hmm. um like I don't I can't even think of an example off the top of my head but I feel like 
it would be cool to have a position where like, yes, you, you have like a national lens, but you're able to do, you know, storytelling in different ways, whether that's like on camera stuff, digitally going to games, covering games, like kind of being that utility player. Mm -hmm. I, funny story. I used to work at a gym back home and I worked at the front desk. This was years ago now. And some guy walked in and he said, I forget what he said to me, but I was like, wow, why does that voice sound so familiar? And I looked up and it was Tom Rinaldi. And I was like, <laughs> you're Tom Rinaldi. I know who you are. That's wild. Also, where in North Jersey are you from? I'm from Dumont. You know where Dumont is? I'd be shocked. My dad is from Oakland. Okay. I know Oakland. Yeah, I don't. It's I close. It's close. Okay. It's close. Yeah. You know where Hackensack is? Yes. That's where I tell people I'm, I live by Hackensack. Gotcha. Um, who in your life believes in you and how does that motivate you? I think this instantly, and maybe just because we were talking about him, but also because it's true. My dad, like my dad is probably one of the strongest people I've ever known. Um, and I just think he's always believed in me and supported me in a way that's allowed me to do what I want to do. I always think it's funny when people know that my parents played basketball at Marquette and I feel like they automatically assume like I must've had a connection to Marquette and Marquette basketball that like weaseled me in there, whatever. And my mom was an accountant and my dad's an engineer. Like they don't understand like how the, the sports realm really works. Mm-hmm. Um, like my dad still does, my dad Snapchats, he's like trying, um, which is great, but he, he definitely is someone who's like believed in and supported me for obviously my whole life, but it's, it's just meant the world, even for someone who doesn't understand fully how it, how it all kind of pieces together. Mm-hmm. If my dad ever gets a hold of Snapchat, I'm going to take his phone away from him. That's a fact. He, if my dad ends up listening to this, he needs to stop sending me what he posts on his story. <laughs> like that's what the story is for. I can see it there. You don't have to send it directly to me. Love oh, you, dad. Man. Love you, Cliff. All right, Cliff. <laughs> Um, you've mentioned it a couple times now. I uh, just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about what keep showing up is, um, as a slogan and as, as the t-shirts that you've been, uh, sending out to everyone and doing a fundraiser for. Yeah. So this has always been a motto. Like I've mentioned that I kind of live my life by the, the keep showing up. Um, like, and it, again, it takes me back to high school basketball. Like I remember when I, I was a manager for the boys high school basketball team at one point, And I like, would show up to every practice, even though I didn't need to be there. And they were like, why are you here? And I was like, I just want to keep showing up. Like I can do my homework at the scorers table. And like, I don't know. So that's always just been something that I've been about. Um, And then I read this, this one tweet, actually, uh, a runner, Desi Linden had said like, some days they'll feel like you're trudging through hell. Other days they'll feel like you're born to do this. No matter what, keep showing up and keep seeing what you've got and give it your best shot. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, she just explained the motto I've been living my whole life by, like, in a, in a really cool way. And so took it more to heart then and then basically started this t-shirt fundraiser because I had made the shirts that said keep showing up for a friend and I, like, a year ago, just as, like, a good reminder. And then more and more people were asking where I got them, whatever. And when it turned to September, which is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, I thought, what a good way to attach it to suicide prevention awareness and then raise money for AFSP, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And so, and I used to do a walk with them every single year. They call them out of the darkness walks. They have chapters all across the country. And I would create teams, like I played club basketball at Marquette. So my my club basketball team would come out. I also coached men's club basketball there. 
So that's my like one asterisk of coaching on my resume. But uh, so they would all show up to the walk and we would raise money and people would donate. Couldn't do that this year. Figured this would be a cool way. Ended up selling like 860 shirts. Wow. uh, Raised almost $9,000. And now I have more people hitting me up. Like, and it's just crazy. Like the reach, like Ron Baker, who used to play for the Knicks, wanted one. Uh, Rachel Bonetta, who's at Fox Sports, um, who I like look up to. I literally tweeted back at her. I was like, you're my idol. Like, what are you? (laughs) And I don't really say that to people because, again, act like you've been there or whatever. But I was yeah. like, you're my idol. Like, what? Um, so it really caught it really caught fire, which, again, it wouldn't have been what it was without the, the support of other people. Um, and I'm just glad that we could do something for a good cause. But, again, I thought it was, like, a good reminder that people could not only carry with them but show to other people, like, hey, keep showing up. Because especially right now, like, I feel like it, it might be what people need to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of full circle that you're – your Twitter account has allowed you to get that kind of notoriety and you had worried about, you know, posting about it. Cause this, is this about me or is it about the shirt? But I think you continuously posting about that made it like, okay, what does keep showing up mean? Oh, this is what it means. I want to support that. So that's yeah. like the good side of social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Things like this can spread. And if people relate to it and they want to support it, then it's a win-win for everyone. No, that's really cool. Well, that's all I have for you today. Uh, this has been a lot of fun uh, getting to know Jenny Fisher, the mysterious Jenny Fisher behind the Twitter account. And um, I tell you what, I forgot your professor's name, but I'd buy some stock in Jenny Fisher. I would. No, I appreciate that. And I was going to, this is my favorite question to end interviews with. I know I'm not supposed to ask you questions, but I feel obliged to. What is one thing you want people to know about you that they may not know? Like what's one thing you want me to know about you that I might not know? that like speaks to either who you are or like that's it. You ask that you ask that when you get out of an interview, I ask that to like coaches that I'm interviewing. That's like my wrap up question. Mm-hmm. What's one thing about me that I want people to know that they may not know. Like, let's say a stranger walked up to you on the street. Right. And they're like, I only have 30 seconds. What's one thing I should know about you before I leave you. Wow. I, I think that I would say that I try to care about, every person that I come in contact with. I think that might be what I, 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 I've never been asked that question before. I am totally startled by getting asked questions on my own podcast, but I'm turning the tables. I know that's where I went with it right away is that I feel like, and people have said this about me before that, like, if you're in my circle, you're in good hands because I'm going to try and, you know, carry you and care and care for you as much as I possibly can. So I think like anytime that I interact with someone, I think that's what I'm trying to, to come across. And man, that I'm so uncomfortable that you just did that, but I like it. But it needs to be a gut check because if I would have like warned you, you would have come up with this long detailed answer that you typed out on your computer that was perfect and made you look good and whatever, like that was true to you. So I appreciate it. Wow. Jenny Fisher, you want to sign us off here or should I? No, that's all you. I'm done hijacking your podcast. (laughs) Oh man, this is great. And uh, Jenny Fisher, want to fu- you want to plug yourself on Twitter so more people can get a t-shirt for keep showing up? I think that's what we should do. I think we should. I mean, that. so it's Jenny Lynn Fish, J-N-N-Y-L-Y-N-N-F-I-S-C-H. That's the one thing I regret too. Like I made that Twitter handle when I was like young. And mm-hmm. so like haven't changed it since. It's my name, my middle name, part of my last name. But yeah, you can, you can find me on there. It's the same on Instagram and, and anywhere else that you may want to find me. And can they still get a shirt? 
So not right now, but we are figuring out a way uh, to give it some new life. So stay tuned. Okay. So give Jenny a follow on Twitter and then stay tuned for when they can buy a Keep Showing Up t-shirt soon. And keep showing up in the meantime. Love that. All right, Jenny. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.